Psalm 66, beginning at verse 1 till the end of the chapter. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you, vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. I will sacrifice fat animals to you and an offering of rams. I will offer bulls and goats. Come and hear. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth, his praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. Thanks, honey. <laughs> it's really wonderful to be here at our home church at Convocation. We spend about four-fifths of our life over in Africa, so it's always a treat to be here at this time. And I agree with Mike. Whatever he says about Convocation, I agree with. This is of great value, and there are a lot of people who have testified that Convocation has meant a lot to them. And so I can't wait to see what God is going to do in 2022 through Convocation. Well, we're going to work through Psalm 66 in the sermon today. That's our text. As Luann said, you can keep it open. The first point of the sermon is come and see and worship, verses 1 to 8. We do not know who the author is, and the exact situation is unknown for the psalm, but the message is clear. Psalm 66 is a song of praise to God for his awesome deeds and a call to universal praise of God. Verse 1, shout with joy to God all the nations. Verse 2, sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome 
are your deeds. So great is your power. Verse 5, come and see what God has done, how awesome his works in man's behalf. That word awesome, we could include other words under that, such as breathtaking, amazing, astounding, awe-inspiring, incredible, magnificent. Think of your shout for joy if, say, you got the big promotion or your team won the Super Bowl or the World Cup, the Soccer World Cup, or she accepted your marriage proposal or he finally popped the question or your child was born. Think of your shout for joy and then multiply that to the nth degree in importance and value as we shout for joy to God for all of his mighty and awesome deeds in man's behalf. What are some good ways you and I can do that, where we can express our praise to God? Well, here, the psalmist glorifies God by saying both to God and of God, how awesome are your deeds. In verse 3, he says, Say to God, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power. So one way you and I can worship God and, and express praise to him is we talk to him and then we can talk about his great deeds that he's done, his powerful deeds on our behalf and give him worship. And, and then in verse 5, he, he, he talks about God's awesome deeds where it says, come and see what God has done. Now he's talking to other people and come and see how awesome his works on man's behalf. So that's another way we can praise God, tell others about God's awesome deeds. Now it's clear that this call is for all the people of the earth. Verse 1 says, shout with joy to God all the earth. That's the first thing he says. And verse 4, all the earth bows down to you. And we see this even in this section of Psalms. For example, the previous Psalm in, in verse 5, where it says, I can't read. Your an you answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God, our Savior, the hope of the ends of the earth. I need one of those glasses. And then chapter 67, verses 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. So that's always been God's plan, that the message would be for everybody everywhere. God loves everyone, and he doesn't want anyone to be uh, not saved. In verse 6, he recounts what God has done in bringing Egypt, bringing Israel out of Egypt. Verse 6, he turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come and rejoice in him. So to the Israelites, the, the exodus was always the main exhibition of God's glorious power on Israel's behalf. What the resurrection of Jesus Christ is to believers today the exodus was to Israel. 
The Jews remembered the exodus at Passover, and the church remembers the death and resurrection of Christ at the Lord's Supper. So what has God done for you? Well, today, we can add all the things from the New Testament, all the mighty acts of God through Jesus Christ, to what we read in the Old Testament of God's acts, awesome deeds for us. So what has God done for you? Well, if you are a believer, it would include eternal life, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation to God, justification, declared righteous, no condemnation by God, salvation, redemption, spiritual refreshment, victory, the grace of God, the love of God, the love of Christ, spiritual security, deliverance from darkness, light from God, death to sin, resurrection to life, the Holy Spirit, fellowship with God, inheritance in heaven, adoption into God's family, spiritual birth, promise of glorification, access to God in prayer, cure for anxiety, new creation, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. What has God done for you? If you are a believer, God has done great things. Now, why, why should all the nations worship God because God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt? Well, because through Israel, God brought truth and salvation to the nations. Jesus said that to the Samaritan woman, salvation is from the Jews. That was God's plan right from the beginning when he called Abram and he said, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. God's plan always was to use Israel as a light to bless Israel and Israel would be a light to all nations. And even in the Exodus story, even among the 10 plagues, we read that God spoke to Moses in Exodus 9:16, and he said, I have raised you up for this very purpose. Actually, sorry, he, he spoke to Pharaoh, and he said this, I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So why did God do ten plagues? Well, one reason was that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Well, praise God that the nations are hearing the call and they're coming to God. In our area, in and around Johannesburg, we run nine Zion Evangelical Bible Schools, or ZEBS. ZEBS is a four-year Bible college that is a part-time school that we bring into their area so they can attend. And we put it in their language so they can understand. And we put it at a price that they can afford and at a time that they can be available. And so they've never had the chance to study the Bible before, but now they can. And you think, well, I wonder if they are interested, but they are. So many Zionists are interested. About 10 weeks ago, I was at one of these schools at a place called Katlahong, and some of you sitting here have been there at Katlahong Zebs. And we are about an hour into the program, and I had to go outside for some reason, and a man came walking up by the name of Jack Malloy, 
And he, he said to me, Pastor, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm late. And I said, oh, I'm glad you made it. He said, I had to walk, I've been walking. And I, I figured out he'd been walking about an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours. And I said, oh, you must be tired. He said, no, 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 I have to be here. Before Zebs, we were just telling lies. We're telling lies to people. All we were telling them was culture. We were lying to people. Now, with Zebs, we found the truth, and now we're telling people the truth. Amen. Praise God. I've received this statement from many Zeb students and graduates. They say to me, if you had not come, we would still be in darkness. Uh, a long time ago, more than 20 years ago, one of our very first graduates was a man by the name of B.T. Dlamini. And he and I became friends. And one time he said to me, he said, I see that Zebs is working, he said. Uh, he said, when you're dancing, uh, I don't think I'll try to show you. But if you want, I can teach your pastors about it, how to do it. There you go. There you go. That's next convocation. He said, when you're dancing, you don't know how you're doing. But the people tell you. He said, the people are telling me that Zebs is working. Well, fast forward 20 years later, he lives about four hours from us. He phoned me up and he said, I want to come see you. I'm bringing another Zion pastor. And so in April this year, he came up and he introduced me to this other pastor and he said, I can vouch for this pastor. He knows the truth. He's born again. I love that. And then they invited me to a special meeting, big meeting that they wanted to have, which they called Zion Heritage Day. And they said the date was September 24th. So I wasn't there yesterday, but five of our missionaries were there. It was Paul Seelhammer, Kit Tischler, Matthew Keel, and Stephen and Jessica Langley. Some of you seen on Facebook. There were about 500 people there. They reported that so many of those were bishops and leaders of denominations that came and they said it was just crazy. They set up the book table and they just sold out. They couldn't keep up with the sales at the book table. They sold out of a book like the book This We Believe. And they printed uh, business cards and, and they passed out, he said, like water. It was 500 were, were taken and another 200 Zeb's brochures. And then Kit Tischler preached and, and somebody, and, and, and some, a pastor who is part of a local radio station said, I want to broadcast that sermon tomorrow. So Paul, you know, was able to do that, and I'm pretty sure that was broadcast already today over the radio. So thank God that the nations are hearing the call and they're coming. That brings us to number two. First point was come and see and worship. The second point is come and see and trust. Verses 9 to 12. The idea here is to come and see his awesome deeds and trust God even in the midst of trials, difficulties, 
and hardships. Now, it might seem surprising that hard times and, and problems and testing by God are brought into the picture as the psalmist gives praise to God for his mighty deeds. Does that even fit? I mean, we're talking about God is all-powerful and he's doing great things, and then we start talking about our problems? Does that even fit? And the answer is yes, it fits. And that's what we find here in these verses, starting with verse 9. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. You refined us like silver. Now the Hebrew terms here have to do with the smelting of precious metals such as gold and silver. The imagery of smelting is frequently used in the Old Testament as a metaphor for divine testing and purification of the faithful. And then verses 11 and 12. You brought us into prison. You laid burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads and went through fire and water. But you brought us to a place of abundance. Why does God test us? Well, to reveal if our faith is real or counterfeit and also to strengthen our faith. If I have a, a weight and I'm lifting the weight, it might feel painful here, but my muscle is being strengthened. The idea that a believer's life will be trouble-free on earth is never included in any worship of God in the Bible. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, 33, in this world you will have troubles. He said that to his disciples. But then he added, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There are problems. Everywhere you look, you'll see troubles and problems that people have. Matthew, our son, just sent out a prayer letter from South Africa where he, he said there were three deaths right in a row that were very hard for him and uh, those that he, were he was close to. Even our teaching team of teachers at Zebs in our area, we, two of the current teachers and the one that is in the pipeline being trained, three have lost their wives in the last few years, two to three years, and they're it's hard. It's hard for them. You all remember the story of our oldest child, Marie. It was about three years ago that we received the diagnosis that she had a very, very aggressive form of cancer and she needed aggressive treatment. And now I can report to you, praise God, she's been cancer-free for about two and a half years. And we want to thank you for your outpouring of love and moral support and prayers during that time. Well, I, we rem I remember receiving the call in the middle of the night, and there was a lot of tears and prayer, and then they said, please, can mom come and help? And the next night, Luann was on the plane 
here to help. Fortunately for us, our normal furlough was coming in about six weeks, so I was able to wait the six weeks and then come. I remember sitting with her in her living room in Kenosha, and we talked about the place of God in a situation like this. And we, we, we agreed that people take two completely opposed decisions on the matter. Some people, they will blame God, they'll hold God accountable for the problem, they'll turn their back on God and they'll leave church. But other people will say, God has done so much for me, I'm going to hang on to God, thank God that he's with me, and they'll go to God and their faith will be strengthened. We have a choice. Thank God that through God's grace, Marie decided to choose going toward God, and her husband Jonathan also. And by God's grace, Luann and I chose the same. And Zeb students, they've, they've chosen the same. They made their choice. After, after COVID, when Zeb started back up, I would ask them, well, how did COVID touch your life? And they'd say, oh man, it was so hard. There was no jobs, no money, no food, sickness, death, and so on. But then they'd say something like, but God is good. God is with us. God helped us. So they, they made their choice. I heard of a lady whose husband died just before he was due to retire. And he had had a good job and they had a good marriage. And they had all these plans, what they're going to do after retirement. But he died before that could happen. And she said, God took my husband too soon. And she blamed God for that. She turned her back on God. She left the church and never came back. She, she made her choice. Job and his wife, they, they made their choice. I can't, you know, there's nobody who's had a, a worse day than Job and his wife. And after they lost basically everything in John, uh, Job chapter 2, verses 9 to 10, his wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. So she, she made her choice. And he replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? After all that God has done for us, how can we reject him? Why follow Jesus when bad things happen? Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds on man's behalf. And move closer to God, not away from God. Be like Job. And be like the writer of Psalm 66. Far from being a reason to go away from God, this writer uses it as a reason to praise God. He says, praise our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, O God, tested us. He praised God for his testing. Which brings us to point three. We've seen come and see and worship and come and see and trust God. And now we see come and see and testify in verses 13 to 20. And here he changes. He changes to the first person. From verse 13 right through the end, 
suddenly it's now in the first person and the writer is now giving his personal testimony and he gives his personal testimony in response to seeing God's awesome deeds and in doing so he provides an example for us to follow of how to respond to God firstly we see that he comes into the temple and he offers sacrifices and which is that he came in the way that God told him to come now in in the Old Testament they said God told them when you come come to the temple and come through sacrifices he came to meet with God to worship God in the way that God told them to come today it's through Jesus Christ Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but by me but you know a lot of people all around the world they say well what do I think is the way to come to God they want to come up with their own way they don't God has provided a way he gave the invitation and he said come but they said no I'm gonna come my own way the Amazonia are just like that they said well we want to keep our belief in our ancestral spirits and so we're gonna believe that we're gonna talk to them and then they will mediate somehow with God but will God ever accept that he won't so he comes and he worships God in the temple and then verses 16 and 17 he he testifies come and listen all you who fear God let me tell you what he has done for me so before it was come and see now it's come and listen and he starts talking he starts testifying he starts getting the word out I am gonna tell you I'm gonna get the word out I cried out to him with my mouth his praise was on my tongue he testifies to the nations what God has done and then in verse 19 18 he says if I had cherished sin in my heart the Lord would not have listened the idiom means to look with enjoyment at evil in my heart and resist repentance for wrongdoing if we have sin that we cherish in our heart it damages our relationship with God a sheep and a pig will react differently if they are caught in a mud hole the sheep will try to get out as fast as he can but the pig he'll just stay there and wallow around be like the sheep if there's sin in your life try to get out as fast as you can and repent and then in verses 19 and 20 he gives praise to God that God has heard his prayer and has not rejected his prayer or withheld his love now we need more of this kind of testimony to the nations in our area our slice of South Africa is full of big cities our little province Gauteng sits on 1.4 percent of the land mass of South Africa but has 26.5 percent of its population and our percentage is always growing I went on to Google and I, I saw that the population of the state of Illinois is 12.5 million the population of Gauteng is 16.1 million the size of Illinois is 58,000 square miles the size of Gauteng is 7,000 square miles so we have 
1.2 times the population of the state of Illinois in less than one-eighth of the size. And if we look at statistics, we can figure out that there are probably about two million Zionists in our little Gauteng, two million, that need to know the Lord. One of our teachers was telling me just before I left, he said, so many come to me and they just say, after they've studied at Zev's, they say, we didn't know. We didn't know. That's what we get all the time. We didn't know. One of our part-time teachers, he's a retired pastor in the Baptist Union denomination, and uh, he's in high demand still. He's very well-regarded, and he helps us from time to time. And one day I said to him, well, thank you for spending your time to help the Zionists. And he said, no, no, I want to. He says, my grandfather was a Zionist, and he died without ever hearing the true gospel message. We, we need more of this kind of testimony in our area. You know, some things we do are within our comfort zone, and some things we do are outside of our comfort zone. And that's, that's the same with our service to God. It's, it's really good when we serve God within our comfort zone. God has given us gifts, and we volunteer, and we, we use those gifts and we're kind of within our comfort zone, and, and that's, that's very important. And then there's th times when maybe God's going to call you or me to something that's outside our comfort zone. You know, preaching at CCC in the morning is kind of outside of my comfort zone right now. I'm a lot more comfortable over in Africa. But I love it. At the beginning of our career, I took six trips up to the country of Malawi, which is north of South Africa, to visit the, the Amazoni there. And when I was there, they would say to me, do you have a wife? I'd say, yeah, I do have a wife. Where is she? Well, she's in South Africa. Well, um, can you bring her? We want to see her. I said, I brought her from America. She's in a, do you want to see a photo? No, we want to see her here. She, they explained to me that in Malawi, they want to see a wife of a pastor. They said, only when we see his wife do we trust that pastor. So they kept saying to me, bring your wife, bring your wife. So I talked to Luann about it, and she said, okay, let's go. So one of these trips Luann and I and a man that came from Moody Bible Institute, we drove three days to get up to the country of Malawi. And it was a wonderful trip. The people there are so warm and welcoming. They would say to us, feel at home. They'd say, now we know you have a home in America. We know you have a home in South Africa, but Malawi is your third home. And people were absolutely amazed especially children when we go into the rural areas, to see a white woman. They'd never seen a white woman before. They'd seen a Roman Catholic priest come, but never a white woman. So we visited a, a different church every day, and we came to this one place, and the service was starting, and they, they had put two large easy chairs 
in the front behind the pulpit, and they said, Mrs. Keel, you sit there, and Pastor Keel, you sit there. Now, Luann doesn't prefer that. She likes to, she doesn't want to sit at the front, and she likes to sit with the ladies. But they said, Mrs. Keel, you sit there. So she did. And I sat over there next to her. And when the service started, it wasn't long before Luann was kind of wondering what was happening in her chair. And, 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 and the pastor, he, he saw this. She was kind of wondering. And he came over to her and he said, don't worry, Mrs. Keel, that's just the rats in the chair. I'm not sure what he would have worried about. <laughs> Maybe poisonous snakes, but the rats are okay. So there's nothing we could do. I couldn't help her. I couldn't switch. I, you know, because he said, "Don't worry, Mrs. Keel. It's only the rats." And she sat in that chair for another three hours. And I'm 100% sure that was out of her comfort zone. <laughs> we had a missionary here last week from Ukraine, and he, he shared in the service, and he also shared in the ABF, and he said something in the ABF that piqued my interest. He said, if your dreams don't scare you, you are not dreaming with God. Now, that's thought-provoking. If your dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming with God. I like to say, God wants to do more through you than you could ever imagine. Perhaps you are the next person from this church that God will call to missionary service in South Africa or another mission field. What does God want you to do for the nations in or out of your comfort zone? In conclusion, how do I know that I have God's heart for the lost? How would that manifest itself? Well, let me just give you seven ways. How would my heart for the lost manifest itself? One, in a deep concern for their salvation. Two, in earnest efforts for their salvation. Three, in our being in a constant lookout for opportunities to help the lost. Four, in going out to seek for them. Five, in joy over lost souls saved. And six, in sacrifices made to save them. And seven, in deep sorrow for those who are unsaved. Luann and I so much appreciate this church. We are over there and we see the fruit of your involvement over in Southern Africa. We see it with our eyes, we hear it with our ears. We know the fruit that God has used this church over in Africa and so we wanna just say thank you for that. And we thank God for using you. And may God richly bless you and continue to use you here in Zion and around the world. Amen.